A decentralized economy needs decentralized computing. A cache is an open network that lets users buy and sell computing resources securely and efficiently, something that becomes even more crucial as the AI revolution begins. Welcome to Just Crypto. My name is Vanessa, and today we're joined by the founder of a cash network, uh, Greg. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Vanessa. Great to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on the show. I've been really actually looking forward to this for months. I know I just reached out, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. So happy to have you here. Um, uh, you know, on, on the show, uh, we like to get to know the human behind uh, the, the voice as well behind the project. Uh, so just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to crypto? Who is Greg? Why are you here? My my name is Greg. Oh, sorry, I, I think I uh, started getting serious about crypto somewhere around 2016. I was dabbling before we all had Bitcoin in 2013 and whatnot, but I wasn't very bought in. Uh, and my journey really began as uh, from a technology standpoint. So before Akash, I founded, uh, well, uh, the company behind Akash, Overclock Labs, was created to make edge computing a reality. Edge computing is a, uh, a, a, a technology framework or, or a platform or, or, or a pattern, for lack of a better word, uh, that enables high performance delivery of the cloud, really high performance. And the way we do that is by, you know, reducing the latency between the device and the internet and the, and the backend, right? And that means re literally physically moving the server to as close as possible to the user, right? And when you move servers too to close to the user, user, we essentially have to deal with mitigating trust issues because we don't know what kind of environment will end up. Uh, in, yeah. and we need to um, mitigate uh, data consistency issues in the sense like if someone is hitting a server in New York, uh, they need to make sure, and uh, you know, and someone else is hitting a server in San Francisco, these servers need to have the same response, especially when you're doing financial transactions, whatnot, right? So consistency and uh, uh, trust has been a prior a. a challenging uh, aspects of edge computing that we've been trying to solve. And we went with a very uh, decentralized architecture because um, uh, decentralized, but not permissionless. It's definitely like from a, um, from, from a architecture standpoint, we would have nodes uh, essentially at these edge clusters that would, um, you know, synchronize the state using uh, a BitTorrent style replication. And then we would have a, a, a Git Merkle tree, you know, Git style integrity checks. You put BitTorrent and Merkle tree together, you end up with a blockchain. Uh, it was permissioned in the sense you still need authentication uh, or some permission from a, mm -hmm. from a centralized entity to, to give you permission to join the cluster. And we thought, I mean, that's a very challenging step because a credential exchange and distributed clusters are uh, it's very, very challenging, trust me. It's uh, especially when you do it at scale, right? Because you need one server that needs to hold the keys and that server is usually uh, heavily guarded. And it's it's very, uh, through through being heavily guarded, you add a lot of overhead to performance. There's a lot of, lot of uh, it's very complicated to do a system that has this, this central control plane. And we were like, you know, really exploring a decentralized control plane. Uh, where you don't need trust. So we are exploring systems that could essentially write to a database without permissions. You, you could have that happen, then we can do like cluster member management easy and we can do a lot of, a lot of cool things. 
Um, that's how we started getting to crypto because blockchain was the only sort of like viable uh, data structure that would allow us to do so. And uh, we originally built on Ethereum uh, in 2016, Ethereum Frontier, I remember, uh, because Bitcoin was cool. I mean, the technology was amazing. Uh, and we were like, hey, it'd be something cool to have a, you know, more usable Bitcoin in, in terms of programmable Bitcoin. And Ethereum uh, smart contracts was a very interesting pattern. Uh, it was not, it took, took us a while to understand how to uh, do determinism, deterministic programming from non-deterministic programming. Um, and because, you know, you don't, as normal computer, you know, programmers, you don't really think about determinism uh, as, as a priority, right? But it made sense. But if you want permissionless, you need determinism. Um, and, um, and that's how we got into uh, using Ethereum uh, and CryptoKitties launched uh, that crash network. And we're like, well, we need to, and the, in energy requirements for proof of work, uh, you know, type consensus was not ideal. And uh, and we were like, well, what if we build a native network from scratch at layer one, or we didn't have the terms layer one back then, but we just wanted, wanted a dedicated sort of like blockchain network just for Akash. Um, and uh, somebody introduced us to Joe Kwan. Uh, Joe uh, was building, uh, building uh, Tendermint uh, in 2016, I believe. And we were one of the first networks to implement Tendermint in 2017. And uh, that's how, I mean, long story short, like, you know, here we are eight years later. Uh, we published a paper in 2017 uh, talking about uh, a decentralized cloud and how we, um, how we had a whole page on machine learning and how it's very, uh, appropriate and incredible when you have machine learning because the costs are very high with GPUs. Um, and uh, now we have, it took about say, seven years to realize a vision and now we have GPUs. People talk about GPU shortage uh, and decentralized compute uh, as something new, but it's been around for first seven years. We don't really look back. I, I, I love that you kind of came in through the technology and found blockchain as a way to solve a specific tech problem rather than just, you know, number go up. Um, but but also what was fascinating as we delved into I didn't I'm not I'm not a finance person I'm an engineer so we delved into like the whole decentralization the crypto side of blockchain was very fascinating because you know I've been doing open source for a very long time the big challenge with open source software is the business model right because you know even though most open source founders you know. Uh, envision a free and open open society. It's always challenging. How do you sustain that endeavor? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, values are incredible, but sustaining those values are very hard with uh, with open source software. So a lot of times, people end up just you know using the old business models, uh, be it support based model or be it open core, where you you know where you give the core software as free, but any additional premium features to start charging. So there's a lot of like trying to slap a business model, an old style, old school business model on top of this very modern, free and open, open society. Um, well, crypto aspect of, of the blockchain was very fascinating because now for the first time, we can actually create sustainable open source software. Mm -hmm. And I've seen companies uh, I personally interacted with, Docker is a prime example we look at, 
at one point, Docker was valued at a billion dollars. Docker is one of the most widely used software. Everybody, I think most, almost, I would say 99% of the cloud runs in Docker today. But the company, Docker, couldn't sustain itself because they raised traditional VC money um, with traditional VC valuations, a billion dollar valuation, and then uh, they collapsed and then they sold for pieces to, to Nutanix. Uh, because they couldn't figure out a business model that would keep this offer open, which is what people loved, at the same time, you know, survive as a company, right? So look at crypto, we don't really talk about, and look at Kubernetes, look at any other, you know, container native era software, right? Um, it's struggling to maintain their, their contributor base because people offer their free time to the software, right? And there's also this like, you know, tragedy of the commons uh, issue where you have individual actors that leverage this free open thing for their own personal gain without contributing back. Like Amazon is one of the biggest benefactors of open source software, right? Uh, with very little contribution contribution to the open source community, they built AWS, but they don't really yeah. contribute back. So you have this tragedy of the commons problem in this traditional software uh, model uh, that crypto solves quite a lot. Right. So uh, with Akash, I mean, Silver Linings is an incredible publication. They published an amazing story recently with uh, about sustainability and they compared like Kubernetes and Docker and, and looked at Akash and, and really put into perspective how we have 480 contributors right now on Akash, all open source. Right? Akash is fully, um, every aspect of Akash is open source made. Of course, the source code itself, but even the setting, the roadmap that mm -hmm. built source code is open source, right? Um, that attracted several contributors, and you can actually make a proposal, get funding with the publicist fund. Uh, it's online. Our website is done, not managed by Overclock Labs team. Uh, in every, I mean, there's so many pieces that's written by 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 companies outside the creators of the software, right? The original creators of software. So. Uh, we haven't seen that level of sustainability in, in any business model for open source. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like, I think there's that angle of crypto that was very attractive uh, for open source companies. Yeah, I'd like to take a, a quick moment for folks who are kind of listening along. Um, if you're here, pop a hi in chat, let us know that you're here. Uh, we will take questions for Greg as well uh, as we go. So, uh, you know, definitely if you have any questions about decentralized compute or a cache or anything, uh, fair game. Uh, I want to say hi to uh, Toto, who just joined to become a member. Thank you for that. So if you'd like to become a member, click the join button. We've got uh, special uh, interviews and content uh, for members. Um, but now we're talking about a cache, Greg. And uh, maybe, you know, there's a lot of folks here on the channel maybe haven't heard about a cache, don't know too much about it. Can you sort of simply describe, like, what is it and, and why is what you're doing important? So a cache is what we like to call the world's first open super cloud. So a super cloud is a cloud like Amazon Web Services and you know, Google and Microsoft clouds uh, that aggregates supply, be it private, be it public, and uh, gives a unified interface for users to use it uh, with capabilities that a traditional cloud can offer. Right, And why that's important is because supply is everywhere, especially when it comes to GPUs. Right? And CPUs is, is not that obvious, but very obvious with GPUs, but supply is everywhere, right? Uh, you obviously have large data centers uh, that host most of the compute, but you also have computers. Like I have a 4090, if you can see that computer here, right behind me. That's a very powerful GPU that's sitting there, uh, you know, that's used for rendering or, or AI training. That's not 
currently being used while I'm streaming this, uh, this video. So supply is everywhere, right? Um, and while that's the case, the cost of compute is only um, uh, getting getting larger, right? It's only it's only increasing. Uh, why? Because the supply chain is broken. So the supply, but and, and there's demand, and supply chain is broken. So what Akash does is it solves the supply chain problem in enabling this underutilized supply to come to a market in a manner that's easy to use and in a manner that's permissionless and open source and decentralized, right? So there's no single company that controls. Um, the, uh, uh, the the controls, the sets the price, uh, no one can stop you from using Akash. It's censorship resistant in the sense that even I, as a creator of, of the network, if I don't like you, if I cannot stop you from using an hour, right? Um, it is you now foundation of, you know, for, 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 I mean, for a free society to function, free speech is, is critical. And Akash is the infrastructure to enable free speech, right? So the, um, see Lex here, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of amazing people, uh, joining the chat. Lex is, um, the founder of a, a network called Passage. Uh, you should definitely have him on the show, but Bash is another incredible user of Akash there. Yeah, hit me up um, on Twitter, Lex. Uh, happy to have you on the show. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of cool, um, you know, cool users on Akash now. Uh, we have a whole decentralized machine learning that's, uh, you know, using Akash. Uh, and uh, that's a lot of, there's a lot of like centralized machine learning companies using Akash now. Uh, I think more centralized companies than decentralized. Uh, I'd like to see more decentralized companies using it, but uh, yeah, that, that's not sure what Akash is. No, no, why way, break it down. Them. You can also consider Akash to be the Airbnb of uh, of G, of uh, compute, right? Just like Airbnb, you know, there's a lot of rooms out there that are not <laughs> used. I mean, the solution to the problem is to enable a mechanism for those rooms to come online. Uh, well, let's extend the Airbnb analogy that you had, because I, I have this question of like, why would someone use a cache, not not Amazon, right? And in, in Airbnb, sometimes you get great stuff. Sometimes uh, it's not so good. Sometimes there's cameras installed in the house. Um, and so, you know, why would someone choose a cache knowing that, uh, you know, with Amazon, you've got uh, a salesperson you can call up who can fix things for you if you have anything go wrong? Well, simple. The Akash offers resources Amazon does not offer GPUs right now. Um, so if you want to get advanced GPUs to train your machine learning, your options right now are non-existent on the centralized cloud. Um, and if you do get lucky, if you know somebody higher up in Amazon, um, you know, you go through you and you're willing to spend about $10 million, you may get lucky to get a salesperson to talk to you. If you do that, yeah. Uh, you got to sign a contract and you got to pay 25%, 30% upfront and wait for three months to for the service to come. So on-demand access to GPUs, high-density GPUs, uh, are non-existent. Akash is the only one that can offer you that right now for, for doing machine learning inference or training or fine-tuning. And uh, and so what, uh, I guess, why you use Akash? Because what other options do you have, really? You have no other <laughs> option. Second, for compute that's non-GPU-based compute, Akash costs about 10 times cheaper uh, than, uh, yeah. than Amazon. How is it so much cheaper than Amazon? Like, isn't there it's an economy of scale? Uh, underutilized servers, right? Like, I'm sitting here, right? I have a server here. I'm not here. I'm not a company, at least, well, me in a personal capacity. I'm, you know, I'm not a company looking to make profit. I just have a gaming machine that when I'm not gaming, I'll take whatever I can get. 
at that point, mm -hmm. right? Versus not getting anything. <laughs> there are a lot of companies that have a lot of compute. So classic example would be something like um, something like um, TurboTax, right? The company behind TurboTax, Intuit. Uh, they, you know, they have their own data centers, right? In 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 order to put compute in a data center, it takes a month or longer, depending on supply chain. So, but you do need compute to address your peak workloads, right? Peak mm -hmm. sessions. So for TurboTax during tax season, uh, you know, like literally 15 days of the year, their utilization is about 95%, 96%. Non-tax season, the utilization is like 5%. But you do need the compute available for tax season or else because it takes a long time to put compute. So what happens during non-tax season, you're just sitting on idle capacity, right? And they degrade over time. They depreciate in five years. Compute. So if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. Yeah. So you, for a company like Intuit, you really have no other way to get liquidity, right? It's just like having a gigantic hotel where you have mm. one week of the year people using it, but you know, non-off-season, the hotel rates are very, very low, right? Why? Because they have underutilization. So yeah. that's why compute is significantly cheaper on Akash. But, and you brought up another interesting point. Yeah, like Airbnb, it's a mixed bag, right? You may get a single-bedroom shack with cameras installed, <laughs> or you may get an incredible villa with complete private. You do. Akash has this amazing set of options. But there's, there is an aspect called attributes on Akash. So each provider is supposed to advertise the attributes that uh, that they say, be it compliance, be it, you know, their the protections, the legal protections against like, you know, scooping on your workload and all that stuff. If someone says they have a, they met a certain compliance standard, you're required to prove the compliance standard to a decentralized set of auditors. And that decentralized set of auditors uh, post their results. And using ZK, you can verify that, hey, a auditor has audited someone's claim to be compliance. So someone comes and says, I'm Equinix, right? How do you know? Because you know, the auditors saying that they're Equinix. So, so Akash makes this attributes a lot, I mean, advertisable attributes auditable, which current cloud actually does not offer. So it's significantly safer than your current cloud. But again, you as a user will be in a better position to make the decision as to what cloud you want to choose based on what your requirements are, right? In some cases, you may hire quality providers, be it Equinix of the world or founders of the world, are going to charge higher, whereas you may get a get a data center in Russia that it's probably going to steal all your data, but if you don't care about it, it's fine, right? Because if you're doing machine learning, like training, it's all public data you're training on. You don't have too strict, uh, strict of a uh, requirements um, uh, in terms of privacy, you're fine. But we have something like like SolveCare, which is a big healthcare company using Akash now. HIPAA compliant, they store American, they store Western uh, citizens' healthcare data. For them, privacy is extremely important. Healthcare, there's something called HIPAA that we had to comply. Uh, so there are data centers on Akash that are HIPAA compliant, and that's validated. Mm -hmm. and that's that's being used by, by SolveCare teams, right? And the architect of, of SolveCare used to work at, was one of the key architects at Obamacare, right? So they're you know, very government sort of like connections and whatnot, and they're comfortable using Akash, right? U.S. Department of Defense is experimenting with Akash internally. Um, so Akash has very, very strong privacy guarantees, and they like these aspects of, I mean, DOD cannot use a public network by, by law, 
so they have their own internal supply and that, that they're uh, we don't know too much about it because it's considered i think it's now handled by nsa and they anything that goes to nsa you don't hear about hear back on progress on <laughs> Uh, but we we do have a a, a Marine Corps officer that went on record uh, talking about how Akash is being promoted internal inside of uh, DoD. So there's a lot of very incredible aspects of Akash that guarantees privacy and, and protection. Uh, that's, that's uh, I, I think an aspect of what you're saying, which, which kind of just clicked for me, is that you pay extra for the guarantees that you need, and you don't pay for the guarantees that you don't need. Um, and that kind of resonated. Um, and, uh, you know, I think before the show, we were talking a bit about um, the decentralized computing, or why decentralization is important. So conceivably, you, you could set up similar things without that aspect of decentralization. Uh, why is it necessary? Why is decentralization important? Yeah. Good questions. Why why do we decentralize, right? Like, what happens when you have a society where you have few people that hold the power over more people, right? What happens when we have, well, we, we did have a society like that. It was called feudalism. So feudalism, uh, particularly in England, right? You had lords that hold power over peasants and they keep collecting rents right that's a society where you have hyper concentration of power and if you look at the compute landscape today right um 50 over 50 half of every dollar you pay for online services be it netflix be it, be it twitter be it asana be it any of the services 50 percent of that uh, money goes to a cloud provider. So all of us pay a cloud rent without even realizing we're paying, paying a cloud rent. And that's getting worse, right? So as these cloud companies get stronger, we are seeing a decline in independent data centers. It used to be 8.4 million data centers 10 years ago. Now there are 7.2 million data centers. So we lost about 1.1 million data centers. What that means is you're losing sovereignty and control over computational power. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, the need for computational power is only increasing. Gartner predicts uh, that by 2030, I believe, 5% of global GDP will be spent on machine on computer for machine learning, right? And that's only going to increase as machine learning and the technologies take a lot more significant demonstration. Now I have, you know, now. We spend a lot of our time waking up using these devices, right? And now I have this, um, this, 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 this metaverse tool, which you know you get lost when you actually put one of these things. And I'd love for for Lex to, to uh, you know, to interview him because I can easily see us as humanity living in a completely different world half the time, mm -hmm. if not longer, with these devices taking more of a uh, important uh, role in our life. Yeah, so, where Amazon is the digital lord and you're their digital surf. Correct. So if you tell me there are going to be few digital lords and and all of us digital peasants are going to be paying taxes <laughs> to digital lords, if that's a society that we are heading towards, that's a society I want to protect us, my daughter, and our kids uh, uh, against, right? And that's why we decentralize. We decentralize because, you know, I don't want to ask someone's permission to get the compute that I want. Just like I shouldn't ask someone's permission to send, to give you money 
like permission is something a five year old asks to go to the bathroom, <laughs> not a fully grown adult. That's what uh, Eric wore his speech. Uh, I love Eric. Eric. By the way, Eric yeah. is one of Akash's users. But like, it's not something in a grown adult should ask someone, right? I want a permissionless society, uh, a, a sovereign society, a, a society that uh, gives me liberty. And uh, and if that's the society I'm 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 willing to 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 fight for, and that's why how, we decentralize. How censorship resistance is Akash? Like if some if someone from the government kind of knocked on your door, uh, could they they take down servers? Could they stop certain types of processing from from being processed? I mean, <laughs> I can disappear today, and Akash will work very well. Uh, are any of your providers KYC'd? Um, so, you know, I've spoken to a few folks in the ICP world and everyone's KYC'd, so there's a door to knock on. Um, there is no KYC in Akash. It's none of the nonsense, right? So we, the, um, so here, here's the challenge between, for censorship, right? So provider, I mean, so the tenant, you know, hosts, the compute provider, I'm sorry, tenant provides the content, provider hosts the content, right? So content gets like essentially hosted by the provider. And if anyone wants to shut down the piece of content, they can go to the provider and shut it down, right? Um, or the provider doesn't like you. I don't know, he just doesn't like you. And Akash has this complete sovereignty on the provider itself. Uh, me as a provider, I need full liberty to say who I want to serve. Yeah, and makes I, sense. As you know, it goes both ways, right? Because providers and, and, and tenants, and I, as a um, tenant, should be able to host whatever I want as long as the provider willing to accept the workload. So the way the network works is really simple. If there is a single provider that's willing to host the workload um, for the tenant, the provider can use a cache, and tenant the, the workload would be live. If nobody on the network wants to host the workload, the workload won't be live. Now, something like politically challenging scenario where, I don't know, like you, you know, say let's, so the providers on the left, providers on the right, right? So providers on the left do not want to host content like a political website that that that, that resonates with, with folks on the right. Sure, they have complete liberty to, to reject you. But providers on the right, same, same thing, right? So there's something... Of that nature, yeah, you're always going to be alive. But if something like child pornography, nobody wants to touch, yeah. right? Nobody wants to touch. That won't be alive. So that way, the network self-regulates and self-protects. So mm -hmm. Akash has been very, very good at that. And there are tools on the provider side that are designed to detect uh, any of this uh, really bad. So there, there are public federal databases. There are a lot of there's a lot of moderation. Uh, mechanisms for providers to safeguard against like really bad stuff like this, and we work with law enforcement, right, to essentially to to come up with technologies to to prevent misuse, right. But anything that's censorship <laughs> related when it comes to like speech, like basic speech, uh, you know, there's not going to be any tooling, right. And the provider has full mm -hmm. option as to what they want to choose, right. If they want a KYC, very well. There's no protocol doesn't support KYC. Uh, if they want to KYC off protocol, they can. But again, <laughs> uh, the friction is going to be so high, right? Uh, to even support something like KYC, uh, 
but I do see a need for KYC, not from a censorship resistance uh, point standpoint, but from societal collapse standpoint, when machines will start using Akash, when an AI will start self-replicating on Akash. Uh, then you want a proof of personhood. So there's a need for proving that you're a human being versus proving you're a machine. You know, but that that's the only reason why I would think of any type of mechanisms that we had to think about to restrict machines from using a cache because that could easily go into to to Skynet type scenario. And fun fact, Skynet, uh, so Akash means sky in Sanskrit. Uh, Akash net means, well. <laughs> Wait, so are you Miles Dyson? Well, you know, it was not by design. I was, it was, Akash, the name Akash came because it's, 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 it's a super cloud, right? It's, it's where the clouds come yeah. together. Uh, that's, that's the reason why we have the name Akash. But it just so happened that Akash net uh, translates <laughs> to Skynet. In, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I've got the headline. I should call this the Skynet show. Uh, we've got a question from Vishya who's asking about how much GPU compute you currently have available. And I think maybe talk a bit more in general about the scale that you're at now. I'm going to pop up, up the, the stats that um, your site has. Sorry, what's currently how much GPU compute do you have when you add all your users? The stats are available publicly. I haven't checked this morning, but looks like we have 169.77 GPUs right now. And there are, um, these are high density GPUs in the sense these are A100s. So they're significantly powerful than your mom and pop GPUs. Um, and we have a proposal recently that'll add about, I think about 100 H100s, uh, about 150 A100s in, and uh, about 350 high density GPUs, H100s, A100s this month. And we have about $5 million worth of compute coming every month to Akash. We just enable the incentives for compute providers to be providing compute. Those of you that don't know much about incentives, Akash is pre-incentive in the sense that uh, only the compute uh, that's on Akash uh, uh, only gets paid when the user uses Akash, right? not by, yeah. by just sitting idle. Whereas the incentive mechanism um, uh, is is a way to support providers without uh, guaranteed workloads, right? So that means you get guaranteed pay. And that's particularly important for high-density chips, H100s, which have, uh, I mean, which is impossible to get from NVIDIA. It takes about three years to get from NVIDIA. They're so sold out and everywhere. They're not underutilized, but you do need the high-density chips for attracting high-density or high-quality workloads. So we are focused on high density first before lower quality chips because that's where majority of the machine learning activity happens today. Uh, and the low density chips will start, I believe, will, will, will be more useful as we progress, as we evolve the machine learning models. Just like, just like any technology landscape where you start off high first, like just like this, right? You, it's a $3,000 uh, device or $4,000 device and it's heavy and it's, it's, it's really um, really powerful, uh, you know, device. Uh, but by the time this device is more mass, uh, I guess, mass appealing, it needs to come down in price to like a thousand bucks range, right? All the information will catch up eventually. But the, 
the uh, the point is start off with with high uh, quality chips, then you come to lower lower quality. Similar to like most technology, look at look at Tesla, right? They started with the Roadster with a very high performance yeah. car, and then they came down to like lower performance chips. Uh, and but if you start off the other way, you don't really get much utilization. That's why Akash utilization right now uh, is about uh, 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 for high density chips is about ninety two percent. As I last I checked, uh, there, there's another network called Render, which is about 0.2%, 0.5%. Yeah, so give us a sense of scale, like how many GPUs are necessary to train an LLM, um, you know, perhaps not of a chat GPT kind of quality, but something that would be useful in a, in a yeah. context. So the there was one LLM that was being trained in Akash called Thumper. It's, it'll be a hugging face very soon. Uh, There's a blog post if you Google Akash and Thumper, you'll get some answers. Um, it has all the details uh, on, on the actual like implementation. That consumed, it's not the number of GPUs that matter, it's how many GPU hours you need to train a system. So that was trained with about 24,000 A100 hours. So that translates to about three, uh, 32 A100s you can Google uh, uh, Akash Thumper. It's on the blog post somewhere. Yeah, there's a blog post on the... This is the proposal, but there's a blog post on, on the post. Um, okay, cool. Let me uh, look for it while you, you keep explaining okay. a bit more. If you go to Akash blog, you'll, you'll see uh, a, how, how Ray Clusters, I think, is, is another... Um, the title of the blog post. But yeah, in, in that proposal, you'll see a little bit more technical details as to how it's done. Uh, but yeah, so 32 GPUs going alive for two months were able to train a smaller model. It's a 100 million parameter model. It's still considered, it's a fairly viable you know, model. I mean, ChatGPT is 70, well, sorry, don't quote me on these numbers, but it's, uh, it's 7 billion is the Mistral, right? Uh, Mistral 7 billion, which is huge. Um, yeah, don't remember the top of my head there. Uh, well, this is the uh, blog post that you were talking about. So folks can go to, uh, you know, a cash network. I've linked a cash down below as well in the description. So if you're looking for them, uh, you can find them. Um, there was your comment about render network as well. And we've got a question about how Akash is different from render. Um, talk a little bit about that. Why should someone come to Akash instead yeah. of render? Just from capabilities, right? You cannot, render is for rendering uh, images and that's their product. You cannot run AI uh, models from render network directly. I mean, there's one, I'm sorry, my bad. You, you can run one model, Stable Diffusion, on render. Uh, where Akash, you can run any model. So Akash is general purpose, render is specific purpose. So render, you can only do a few aspects of it. Um, and so that's very limited in terms of what they can do. Uh, and uh, for every new model they need to support, they need to integrate. Um, as whole thing, right? From and it takes months for them to integrate a single model. Because Akash uh, to run a model, it takes minutes to to pick it up from Hugging Face. Just run it. Uh, usually, when the model releases, uh, we saw with SDXL any open source model that, that releases, it's on Akash's awesome Akash list within six to seven hours, within a day. Usually, people just community just picks it up and runs it because Akash anyone can use it. That's at a foundational features uh, capability. So render is, uh, you know, it's, it's a special purpose network. It's not designed for AI, right? They're trying to repurpose their system for AI, but once you're sort of like 
having a business doing rendering, it's very hard to refit the tooling and you got to do it from scratch. I think they're trying to do that with their migration to Solana, so, but they're not there yet. Uh, whereas from a foundational standpoint, render is permissioned you, and you need a subscription to a SaaS product mm -hmm. called Otai's uh, SaaS product. Without subscription, it will not, you'll not be able to use render. Um, with, and also it's closed source. And uh, so there is no open source aspect of render. So we, we don't know exactly how it works underneath. Um, and from the provider standpoint, you had to be a Windows machine to provide to render. You cannot be a Linux. And so that severely limits to in terms of what type of compute can come online, what kind of compute can run. So you, it's very hard to run. I guess you can run a virtual machine. I mean, I don't, they don't support virtual machines as well. So it's only Linux, so Windows. So uh, I, I don't know anyone that uses Render for AI, unfortunately, to tell you if someone succeeded uh, deploying an AI model. Um, uh, uh, and uh, other big, big uh, difference, I think, I mean, or, yeah, so I would just, if anybody wants to try, just try using a cache and try using render, I think just you be the judge yourself, right? So see what actually works and what doesn't work. Uh, try hosting like an LLM, right? Like Mixtral 7B, uh, you know, is a, is a good model. Run it on a cache and run it on render. I mean, you can, if you can run. And also the render token doesn't have anything to do with the, with the render network. It is an ERC20 token that's... Uh, that is uh, separate and uh, there's no blockchain behind render. It is is client service application. Uh, you can't see blocks and render. There's there's nothing. There's zero like stuff. So uh, render uh, in simple terms is a is a SaaS application with the ERC twenty token. Okay, so um, you mentioned tokens. How does the ACT token kind of play into the ecosystem? What's the utility of it? Why would someone um, you know, hold it, what's the value accrual? Uh, not so much talking about prices, but kind of all the, the uh, mm -hmm. characteristics of it. So Akash is a layer one, it's an app chain, and it, it uses a proof of stake consensus. And um, in order to secure the proof of stake consensus, it needs a token, each token has one vote. Yeah. And the way you participate in consensus is by delegating your tokens to validators. There are about 100 validators that are on the cash in a permissionless manner. Anybody can be a validator. Spin it up as long as you have uh, enough tokens to be in the top active set, which is about 100 validators right now. And people can change. We can put a proposal to change validators. Every aspect of Akash is open source and, and decentralized and permissionless, right? And um, so the token, without the token, there is no blockchain, right? So it's that simple. And uh, there, there's no security. So, <laughs> uh, so the token is so integral to functioning that without it, there is no network, there is no product. Uh, and now token obviously needs value accrual in order to pay for security, right? Because uh, without that, there's no, there's no product. In order for value accrual, it, it takes a percentage of hosting fees to pay for, uh, to, to pay the validators and delegators for staking them, right, as an incentive. Um, and so the more economic activity, that way the security of the network is aligned with the economic activity of the blockchain. And um, and it, there is a limited set of tokens on Akash, and it's this fixed set, which is 389 million. Uh, and uh, the, you know, it, so at that point, it, you know, so, so more economic need, I suppose the more demand for the tokens means 
you know more value accrual and value accrual will also tied to a to a, to a, to a take ma- take mechanism so that it's a very simple model to understand but also token gives an economy right so um there is um a portion of the 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 div- the, the take income is distributed to a public goods fund and to incentivize providers and to um um there's a community pool that uh, promotes all kinds of activities and incentivizes folks to submit proposals to do amazing things for akash so there's a whole economy behind in akash that's centered around the akt token uh that you know anyone is is uh, open to submitting a proposal in a promotion now, now is akt the only way to pay for resources in the network or do you have kind of a stablecoin option to to pay there is a stablecoin option as well i mean this akash supports multi uh multi currency settlement uh but each currency has different take models because again if you're using stablecoin you're undermining the demand for akt so to offset mm-hmm. that uh the risk uh, there's a higher take it's about 20% take for using stable so the question is you got a balance between volatility and 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 high take take rate the costs are very optimal in akash not for gps are you know market well priced to the market demand right so you may not get gpus at at lower cost that you i mean because the demand demand supply and it's a free market economy uh whereas for gpus where you have significantly lower cost it's actually beneficial for you to even pay using stable coins because the difference is so low yeah. right yeah uh so so we haven't seen much stable coin implementation i mean usage uh, compared to akd usage on akash I would imagine because of the steep sort of like take model and there hasn't been any proposal to lower the I mean all this is can be changed by any by simple proposal by the way so which is cool about Akash right so there hasn't been any proposals or complaints about people uh complaining about high take fees and there are other complaints about other fees on Akash but again you got to pay up to use it right so <laughs> yeah I mean as you're talking about complaints like what are some of the areas where you think Akash still needs to grow and improve as the network start <laughs> Where do I start? Right, there's a lot of areas, right? So, the biggest challenge right now is friction uh, for user experience. Uh, decentralized systems are not great uh, when it comes to user experience because you do mandate self custody. Uh, makes it powerful at the same time makes it very unusable. In any attempt to offset that custody uh, by a third party is a risk, right? So, how do you really enable self custody and while while giving a beautiful user experience is a challenge i think not just akash mm-hmm. is facing but a whole uh, you know all aspects of decentralized communities are facing uh we are doing what we can to to balance that out but that remains to be a big challenge along with lack of user engagement right so like user engagement infrastructure so for example um today on akash you got to prepay to an escrow account to fund your deployment and if you run out of funds in your escrow account you your deployment dies hmm. and that's frustrating a lot of people because people forget to re up because you know life goes on right you have things in life besides dealing with your deployments and people complain because their workload went down but it it works at advertise but you know people are frustrated yeah i mean amazon just sends you a, a, another bill to your credit card and keeps going yeah so right so yeah we just give you credit card and subscribe is going but we can't have credit card infrastructure in a without having a centralized component aspect of it so yeah. um staying truly permissionless is very challenging 
uh, in terms of user experience. And there are seven different clients now being building on top of Akash, each have their own mechanism uh, on how they, you know, how they um, are looking at user experience. There's, there's a company called Agora Labs. Nothing to do with Agoric is a separate thing called Agora Labs or IO. Uh, beautiful user experience, like to to deploy on Akash, they have Jupyter Notebook as a service. So where you um, where you Jupyter Notebooks are like this, uh, these like machine learning packages most university college students use for a lot of cool things. Uh, and these kids are from Colombia. They've, they're big users of Akash. They, they found Akash you know, hard to use, getting tokens hard to use. So they have this credit yeah. card base, click to deploy on Akash, and it works really well. Um, I can't tell. I mean, I think they, they, it works so well that few companies tried to acquire them within like two months of because uh, they could show they showed what's possible on Akash. And a lot of these companies, the bigger companies weren't integrated cash, weren't, weren't convinced or weren't sort of like, or concerned about user experience of self-custody. These kids showed what's possible. So that's, that's you know, uh, that's what you get essentially with, with, with good user experience. There's also two other companies that are machine learning focused that are integrating a cash on the front end. It's almost done. I think we'll have some announcements in the GTC, uh, the NVIDIA GTC that's coming up next month uh, with these integrations. And uh, the user experience is just getting better and better. I don't know. Um, well, so the credit card support, I think we're adding in the non-custodial aspect with one centralized component where you can subscribe to a credit card. Again, with minimizing the custody risk as much as possible. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so lots of solutions being worked on for user experience. That happens to be a big priority for us, Akash. Second big priority is bootstrapping supply, right? So Akash has about... Um, so far, we were uh, focused heavily on making sure the cash platform itself is stable uh, and capable, also while being stable for supporting large training workloads. Uh, we were able to learn quite a lot from from doing the uh, the Thumper, which has twenty four thousand each one hundred hours uh, capabilities, such as shared memory access or private containers, and all these are. Um, these issues you you start getting at scale. That you don't normally see, so when you have to support large training on a cache, uh, the, the 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 capabilities that are the that I think are coming out in the next week are are incredible uh, in terms of what you can do uh, with large LLM uh, training, and uh, uh, so a lot of a lot of cool things you know uh, coming up on a cache, and that that's the process of product building because you're you don't want to build too much to a point where you haven't validated a feature. Yeah. You want to meet, build just enough to address um, the market uh, and get validation as early as possible. And we take that very seriously at Akash. And one of the reasons why Akash is successful is because of that. Um, so we are very quick to ship features and also the eco the ecosystem, right? We, in the sense, Overclock Labs, the company. There are about seven different companies that are building on top of Akash now. Uh, Speron is another company that, that is solving user experience problem. Uh, I think they're responsible for a lot of the recent uptick we have in, in leases. Uh, and that's the beauty of Akash is because a lot of these companies are just incentivized to succeed themselves. And while integrating on Akash, they incentivize to bring more users to Akash. So that's how systems grow.
Awesome, awesome. I mean, so we've gotten almost the, the whole way through the hour and we haven't mentioned the narrative du jour, which is Deepin. Uh, why haven't we talked about Deepin through this whole conversation? Oh, sorry, repeat the question again. Uh, yeah, we, we've got through the hour and we haven't talked about Deepin. Why haven't we talked about Deepin? <laughs> I don't know. Akash is a Deepin category creator, right? Like, uh, we're, it's funny because uh, we don't consider, like, I hate buzzwords and like, well, like, I guess the, they do bring people together into understanding the network, but also there's quite a lot of people that come to crypto because of the buzzwords, because it's easy to understand. So, you know, like, if you look at Deepin, we don't go to Akash's website or go to Filecoin's website, go to Helium's website or LightPeer's website or Graph Protocol's website. Nobody talks about Deepin. Because these are protocols that have been around for a long time and focus on getting users. Only protocols that talk about DPIN are the ones that are trying to attract investors. Mm. So the moment I see DPIN on a website, I immediately have red flags on them because they are trying to address you know, investors because nobody in the user sphere cares about DPIN. They care about getting resources they want. Like Akash, people come to Akash because they want GPUs and compute for cheap. They don't come to Akash because of DPIN, right? Um, so, um, so yeah, it's just like, you know, this cycle we're entering with a, with a fresh set of values. We went through a long bear cycle and we had systemic, you know, collapses in the last, last cycle. And that collapses were driven by DeFi narrative and these companies building, taking advantage of, I mean, abusing the DeFi narrative and 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 time centralized products, closed source products, you know, um, and uh, that that's the kind of stuff that we want to avoid uh, this cycle. So uh, be very careful out there with a lot of this, a lot of these projects that are coming out and saying the DeFi's and that of this and it's, uh, it's 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 you know if we don't self-regulate as an industry, the state will come and regulate us, uh, and we are very very close to getting shut down in America. In, in a majority of the West, as, as, a, as a matter of fact. Uh, so it's upon us to, as an industry, to self-regulate. If not, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine a future that's decentralized. What happens to Akash if the regulations don't go in our favor and they start shutting down crypto projects in the US? I mean, Akash is global. I mean, you, you can shut down Overclock Labs. I can disappear. Akash still works, right? even now, right? Like, most we have 480 contributors 20 of them are employed by overclock labs right and a lot of these companies are building on top of akash are incentivized to keep sure make sure akash keeps running like you can say well the network runs no matter what but the bigger risk is not rent network functioning is network evolving with times right because mm-hmm. needs change you need to get better and akash is still very early right it has a, we have a lot of work ahead to get to the mainstream adoption that we want to get like uh, GPU uh, rental services business is about $30 billion industry by the end of the year, right? And Gartner says 5% of global compute or global GDP will be spent on compute uh, for, for AI. There's a long way to go in order for us to get there. The bigger risk is like not functioning. I mean, functioning will, uh, Akash will function regardless uh, of who's, who's around, but will Akash evolve? It is because it's public, it's fun, there is on, there, no one can take that away. No one can shut us down. No one can shut you down. 
uh, in order to shut down a cache, you got to go shut down all the validators, but then there'll be new validators will pop up, right? So it's like, it is out in the wild. It is a decentralized system. Um, and a single company shutting down uh, will not stop the network. And uh, and that's the best part of Akash. I love it. I love it. We've got a lot of questions here on how to get started, both as an investor, and also I'll start with that. Um, Illigos is asking, uh, why is Akash not supported on Coinbase? And we've got uh, Vish asking, which exchanges can you get uh, AKT on? So why is Akash not supported on Coinbase? You should ask Coinbase. Uh, what Akash, what exchange Akash is listed on? You should go to CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap and click on Akash. You'll see all exchanges. It's public information. Or go to Akash.network/token. You'll see a lot of the exchanges. But Kraken, if you're US, is a, is a premium exchange. Um, Crypto.com, bunch of others. I'm not US. Cool. Then we've got a question on how to get started if you want to be a provider. Uh, you know, are there minimum specs for what you can bring onto the network, and, and how does someone plug up? Akash.network slash getting started, or there's a big button that says become a provider on Akash.network website. It's very simple. Google search will get you there. Uh, not much requirements. It's, you know, this is a provider right here. I can have a simple box. It could be a laptop and be an Akash Network provider. You'll get users, but the likeliness of your laptop being selected by a user is very low. But but GPUs is, is a lot more higher. If you have 4090s, you can put it out there. There's a lot of demand for 4090s now. So if you have a gaming machine, that's most likely there has a higher chance of getting scheduled uh, versus uh, versus uh, versus your typical M1s or M2s. Is there sort of a, um, I know a lot of the Bitcoin mining communities, they talk about uh, how sustainable it is uh, from a power perspective. Like, is it profitable to run this as you consider power? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what, uh, very profitable. In fact, like, so this one, uh, this takes about 400 watts, right, uh, of power for one forty nine T. Um, and your biggest cost will be cooling more than your your actual mm -hmm. you know actual uh, compute power that's drawing. Um, but you know you can make about two fifty dollars an hour per G per forty ninety. You can make right now about two dollars per hour, close to dollar fifty to two dollars per hour for H one for A one hundred. We did the math. Your amortization period is about nine months for A one hundred for the cost of the chip. Uh, and your, you know, your, your power needs are significantly lower than your your capex actually. So yeah, with your profitability, I mean, this is not financial advice. I mean, profitability varies depending on demand and supply. But but uh, but if you have decent utilization, uh, you can get you can get amortized uh, your cost within like nine months to a year. I think. I mean, these are you gotta go check uh, on the actual live data, but it's pretty profitable. Uh, Greg, you've been very generous uh, with your time. We're we're almost at the hour. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you think is really important for us to talk about before we close? Uh, so we're you know we're there, there's an incentive uh, program for providers now. So if you have chips, please you know 4090s or even I mean H100s, A100s, those are very hard to come by. So if you know anybody, if you have somebody, please make sure they know about this incentive program. In, with incentives, it's very profitable. In fact, you can get to profitability within a matter of months, not you don't have to wait maybe less than a quarter, right? So it's very, very attractive right now. Uh, um, and so go to our go to the discussions, uh, forum.akash.network or go to the website, you'll see discussions, you'll see the details for that. Uh, where uh, we do have, uh, so yeah, if you're a provider, please, please come, you know, talk to me. Uh, Twitter is, is good. Good place to start, and uh, I can uh, get you started on this. 
Awesome. Fantastic. To, to all the folks who are here in chat, asking all the questions and following along, thank you so much for being part of the community, for uh, engaging. Uh, you know, I definitely learned a few things here. Uh, in about uh, 10 minutes, I'm going to go live and for members only and share some of my thoughts on this conversation. So hit the join button that helps support the channel. Uh, if you would you know, have a couple bucks spare, that always helps. And if you want to like and share, that also helps get the word out, uh, you know, especially if you're in the Akash ecosystem and want to make sure that more GPUs come online. I think that's, you know, the important part right now is to get the supply cranking. Uh, to my mom who's watching, hi, mom, I love you. <laughs> and with all of that, uh, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for being on the show. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I'll see you all later. Cheers.